Welcome back to Beer Time with Books. Woo! Woo! I've now made it Woo. an absolute effort to just say it off the bat because we had like, we've talked about it in other episodes, like a multi-episode streak of not saying the podcast title. Not announcing the name? Yeah. Oh. So. Apologies. Beer Time with Books is back. And it's just the OG three again. We're here. That's true. Our guest last week who joined us for last, last week, week. <laughs> last episode, who joined us for the this Underground Railroad. Transcends time and space. <laughs> In our time, these this audience back on Earth. Um yeah. Emily isn't with us this time, but those were a couple good episodes she's and no longer with us. <laughs> That's what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> Emily like is sadly died. no longer with us. <laughs> she's still fine. So that Please was our alive. so that was our eulogy corner, a new segment. Um <laughs> Hey, it's Halloween. It's thematic. Eulogy corner. Um, it's not Halloween. Emily's still here. Yeah, we did miss our holiday um episode tendency. <laughs> we could have done it on Halloween to keep up with the 50% of our episodes that have fallen on real holidays. But, uh, yeah, Halloween was two days ago. We're about to get an extra hour. So we're using our extra hour for Daylight Savings Time to do this podcast. Brian has been saying that about everything <laughs> we've done. He's like, this is how we're going to use <laughs> our extra hour. Brian our also hour. told me that this is his favorite holiday. Yeah, that's true. It's great. It, you, you just you can't beat it. <laughs> Sleep. That's very on brand for you. <laughs> That's not. Well, no. Okay, using an extra hour, but not using sleep. an yeah, extra. I don't use That's it, what I meant. Yeah, I don't using use an extra sleep. hour to not sleep. Just do more things. Is on brand. Yeah. Yeah. Must do at all times. Well, I'm committing to it. This extra hour is getting used for this podcast. Are we? Is this the hour? This is, is the this hour. The ex- yeah, this it's is now. The one. So, I, I wasn't consulted. So happy daylight savings time, <clears throat> OG three. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use my extra hour to sleep. So. Yeah. Also, that's on brand. Yeah. So. Um, Speaking yeah. of sleep, I fell asleep while reading Northwest. <laughs> that's not the full review. Just a is right. that a reflection of the quality of the book? No. Uh, yes, but that is that is what we're talking about today, Northwest. But before we jump into that and uh, moving past the eulogy corner, we're going to get into our other classic corners of what are you drinking? And since this is Danny's episode, we're going to start with her. Um. Hey, it's Danny. I'm drinking a blood orange something. Oh, blood and honey, American ale. <laughs> ASMR slipping off. Oh, did you hear that? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Blood and Honey American Ale from Revolver Brewing. It's good. That's pretty good. This is the. It's not a total sour ale, but it's like in a similar vein to a sour ale. Yeah, it's like blood orangey, but not juicy. And it's so interesting that this is the season of the sour ale. The season of sour ale? Are you calling it? Uh, it is the kind the, of the fall is when yeah, they it's do kind of soury. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that about sour. Um, so yeah, you're you're seasonal over here. Feeling spooky. So uh, yeah, this is Brian bringing in a classic that's been on the show multiple times. <laughs> Got to get that ASMR. Uh, this is the Boulevard Tank Seven. Ready to have a good time. <laughs> Jamie luckily still has her beer, and we're going to pass it over to her. Just spilled it. I've had a bad day. I also broke a bowl this morning. So um, <laughs> I'm drinking 
Boulevard Brewing Space Camper, which is a cosmic IPA. I don't know what a cosmic IPA is, but I think we've had that on the show. I think as well. So as well, I like Space Camper. It's good. Um, and that'll be brought up during the season finale, which this was talked off the mics, not to you. Maybe a giveaway in the last episode of one of the books that we've been reading. Oh, yeah, reviewing. we talked about that. Yeah. What? It, for the last episode, potentially a giveaway for anybody that's listening. We can do a giveaway for for a podcast listener for one of the oh, books that we've talked about. Yeah. Okay, for or, all of our loyal listeners? Yeah. So we'll, Guys, we know you're out there. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but just to kind of tease that couple episodes in advance, we'll maybe come up with the rules for uh, that giveaway next episode and then um, have it in the comments section of the last episode to have a giveaway. I think that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. If any of you are curious to try one of the books, I don't know if you've listened to the episode having not read it, but maybe you have. Some people like to really get that full analysis before diving into those books yeah so we'll see how that goes but anyway uh we're gonna move on to the next section here on some recent media we've been consuming um i've been listening to a new true crime podcast called cold um and it's interesting it follows one story um about a missing woman in utah and I'm seven episodes in, and all signs are pointing to the husband, because he sounds like a psychopath, but uh, we'll see. Apparently, it's a cold case, so I don't really know how it's cold, um, but it's uh, it's good. Um, I'm all caught up on my favorite murder, um, so I needed some more true crime to listen to. I've been doing that. I'm also reading Name of the Wind, thanks to Jamie. I started it last year. It took a long hiatus. <laughs> And now I'm back into it. Was it talked about on the show? Probably. Nice. Probably early. Nice. But I'm like on making an actual a, role with it now. Um, that's so exciting. Making a return. I'm also reading One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I recently read The Intuitionists by Colton Whitehead. Staying on author brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would recommend The Intuitionists. Um, it's a little kooky, but it's good. That's, all. That's the blurb. Kooky but good. Yeah. Colson <laughs> Whitehead's told, books have had a particular brand of short blurbs. I told Cookie, I told Brian that nice. the it like felt similar to the Underground Railroad because it felt. I mean, it's it's a it's a very. I mean, it takes place in a real in real time in like the real world, but there's one very big obvious element that is not a thing. Like it's not real like in the Underground Railroad. So um, I thought it was interesting how he kind of continued that theme. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Nice. James? Uh, me. Oh, sorry. You were looking expectant. I don't know. I can go next. We're, that'd be out of order, but yeah, that's fine. Is that fine? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I've been listening to a new podcast that is new. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> is that the blur? <laughs> We're really killing it with the blurb. New podcast is new. Love it. New. Great. Um, I mean that in that like it's it's like a mini series and only two episodes are out. So that's what I mean. Um, But it's called Finding Fred and it's about Mr. Rogers. Um, He's killing it these days. He really is. And honestly, like there hasn't there hasn't been anything mind blowing 
in the two episodes that I've listened to, it feels very similar to the documentary uh, that came out about him a few years ago. But great documentary. Great documentary. But won't even, you be my neighbor? Right, just so we make yeah, sure. Yeah, won't you be my neighbor? I um, think is the documentary. Um, even without that, uh, I just hearing about Fred Rogers, I think, has given me a little bit hope of hope in the world at a time when I think I really needed it. So I've been listening to that in the mornings, and it makes me feel happy. Um, I started listening to it because a writer that I follow on all social media um, is in the first episode. She's, like, interviewed about her experiences listening to Mr. Rogers and watching him and doing things. Uh, Ashley C. Ford, who I love very, very much. So she's on the first episode, um, but she it's not her podcast. But I like it so far. Two episodes. Um, I've also been listening to an audiobook, uh, A Man Called Uva, uh, which oh, I, I love th- that book. thought was A Man Called Ove. But I also did, and I've read it. The audiobook disagrees. <clears throat> so, Uva. Isn't it like Dutch or something? Maybe. Or, yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. I'm only like five chapters in. It's lovely. I love that book. I saw that you rated it well on Goodreads, but I'm... I've been listening to the audiobook. I have I've listened to like maybe an hour of it and I think it's like 7 hours or something. Um but I like it so far. Uh anything else? Am I doing anything else? Watching. Um we watched the finale of the Great British Baking Show today. Oh. You can't talk no, about it. No, we won't talk about it. Okay. All, all we'll it. say uh and this won't spoil the actual events of it, but the end montage <laughs> of, of like where the bakers are now. Made us laugh out loud. Yeah, it was really funny. Okay. Fantastic. I have to. I will watch it tomorrow. For for two reasons. Yeah. You you may notice why. I hope you notice why. We thought it was really funny. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. We we literally, like, I don't know. It was great. I'm so excited. I'll watch it tomorrow. one One of them for a positive reason, and one of them because it confirms every bias that we had had during the show. That's all we'll say. <laughs> Stop, Tom, I can't. That's deal. all we'll okay. say. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, it was a good finale. Brian, um, as far as books, I am in the middle of Jack Kerouac's Book of Blues poetry collection. Not amazing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's I fine. Our reviews have been yeah. so good. <laughs> New, weren't, weren't. not amazing. <laughs> what was mine? Great. Uh, <laughs> oh, kooky, oh, kooky, but, but good. Yeah, kooky, good. but good. Um, yeah, I, I like the concept of the poetry book because he does it um, in such a way that it's explained that it's supposed to be like a song. Like, mm-hmm. each one is a different chorus or something, and it has to do around... I mean, it deals with certain subject matters, but I just don't know that maybe that's Jack Kerouac's forte, is mm. poetry particularly. Um, do you like poetry? That's the other thing. <laughs> I'm just reading it because I wanted to read another Kerouac. It was kind of short, and I needed to get back into a good groove on some books. Um but I feel like, yeah, I could definitely enjoy it more if I liked poetry more. Yeah, because I was, I was thinking, like, do, do you, have you read any other but that's why I'm glad. Poetry? That's why I'm glad to read it, though, because yeah. it's helping no, it's read more. Um, so, yeah, that's been good. As far as video games, there's a new one out called The Outer Worlds, which is a great RPG. There's been a lot of watered-down RPGs where 
Um, the stats that you invest into your character don't matter. On this one, I'm like a smooth-talking uh, kind of guy, so I've bumped all of my conversation stats, and it made a difference in the game, and I enjoy that a lot. It's basically like Fallout in space. For anybody that knows the Fallout universe, you guys do because we played that board game. We didn't. Ago. I'm sorry, we didn't play that game. We, we, we started. We started that game. We started it. Um, but yeah, it's like Fallout in space. It's from the original creators of Fallout. They don't um, carry the series anymore. That's Bethesda, but Obsidian is the one that makes the game, and it's amazing. I think that the writing is great. The decisions you make make a difference. So. Highly recommended on that. Uh, there's been a lot of conversations I'm reading about, like video games as art and as the new medium of storytelling, and like games like that make me really go all in on that. Of like, this is as much of a like you know good writing medium instead of just like it has to be action packed or it has to be like whatever else. Good level design, like storytelling is becoming more and more. Um, involved within video games and i like that direction in those genres and then as far as uh shows bojack horseman i just finished the new episodes that had come out which is the first half of the last season and um it's as good as ever i love bojack horseman i was bojack horseman for halloween (laughs) um at work and yeah it's it's great i'm trying to figure out who will get a happy ending if anybody or if any of them actually deserves it. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> but it, it left on a quite a big cliffhanger on the last uh, episode, and so I'm excited for the final eight. I think there's going to be eight more episodes, so I think it'll end out strong. Every season's been amazing. So if you haven't watched BoJack, it's time. Everybody, I saw that at this table. <laughs> I've watched some of it. <clears throat> I'm talking all of it, all of it. I don't need to spiral. Tuca and Birdie, let's I watch Tuca and Birdie. I'll watch that. We had a previous recommendation can, can from oh, from that. Andrew a few I've episodes ago. That. Yeah, he brought it up on when he was on on the Bluebeard episodes. Um, but anyway, that's the recent media, and with that, that means we're going to be handing it over to Danny for <clears throat> her second choice of the podcast. Take it away. Hey. Um, yeah. I chose this book because I read White Teeth, um, also by Zadie Smith, a few years ago. And um, I thought it was interesting, but it was kind of hard for me to follow. So I wanted to try again with her writing um, because I know that she's pretty celebrated and a lot of people like her. Um So, essentially, the story um, follows four people throughout um, a a part of um, northwest London. And um, it starts, uh, I think it's divided into four parts. Um, The first part focuses on a character named Leah, who is approached by um, a woman (coughs) at her her house uh, who basically scams her into giving her money. Um, And Leah kind of, like, spirals into kind of like an existential uh not crisis but she just gets a little bit in her head about this woman and she like finds her again and um among other things she um describes uh, a relationship with her um her husband and then uh also her um her friend and her and her friend's husband and all all around Leah's attitude is just um 
I don't know. Like, I came away from the first chapter feeling just, like, bummed. <laughs> and yeah, she's very, like, kind of just, like, floating through life. And she's floating, and she, like, has... I mean, we'll get into it, but, like, she just doesn't... I mean, she's not happy. Uh, she seems very just, like... Uh, like, she's in a rut, and this, like, getting scammed uh, actually kind of brings a lot out. Um, it feels like an impetus for a lot of things. Um, and then the second chapter... Um, oh, the first chapter is called um, Visitation, and the second is called Guest, um, and it follows a man named Felix. Um, he's um, dating a woman named Grace, and he essentially like goes and, um, among other things, visits, uh, I believe it's like an ex-girlfriend or this woman that he has slept with on and off yeah. for a while, um, and he goes to like break things off with her. Um, or at least he wants, he tries. Um, and you kind of with the intention of uh, starting, like turning over a new leaf with Grace, his girlfriend, and <clears throat> on his way home back to Grace's apartment, uh, he gets mugged and then murdered. <laughs> and Yeah, brutal way to end our section. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was very... Like like last page. Yeah, just like the last page. Last, like it's like half a page, and it's just yeah. Um, so some brutal <laughs> bummer chapters. And it also escalated so quickly. It was like I got punched. Uh, wait. And then he got stabbed. Yeah. Or he like thought the stab yeah, was he, a punch. That's, yeah. That, it's just like uh, <laughs> it's not so bad. Oh, I'm yeah. Like, and it just oh, is. I'm died uh, dying oblivion. Yeah. Oh no. It's it's it was very fast and like very shocking. Um. Especially because um, an, a running theme throughout the first two sections is, um, oh, what is it? Carnival? Carnival is happening. Yeah. Um, and everybody is taught, like, every, people are stopping Felix in the street. Like, friends are talking about it with Leah and her friends are talking about it. Like, they're all talking about um, the weekend and the party and, like, the parties they're going to go to and the plans they have. And so you're just, we're, we were very set up for disappointment when he gets killed because he never makes it <laughs> to carnival with his girlfriend or her friends um so yeah that's the first half that's the first uh two sections um i want to start with leah um i want to start by talking about leah and her relationship with her husband um she in the in this in the first section she among all of these other activities that are happening she finds out that she's pregnant and then she um she gets an abortion and she doesn't tell she doesn't tell her husband right she no. doesn't tell him anything so what do you guys think why do you guys think that she didn't tell her husband about being pregnant and getting the abortion i mean i think so much of their marriage is built on a falsehood or just like a miscommunication like they got married so quickly and without knowing each other's like she says at some point that they weren't friends until after they got married yeah um and like a lot of things happened very quickly and there was also a detail that kept like just like stuck in my head was that they had anal sex before they had actual sex like they their relationship was just weird they didn't have those conversations at all i don't know why that's stuck symbolic in my brain. like i just it, i she listed a bunch of things right in the middle discussing their relationship and i that stuck in my brain being like wow that's oof. Um, <laughs> oof, oof. but i think that they got married and she loves him in 
a very passionate way, but not in a realistic way. And I feel like, from what it sounds like, they never really had a discussion about children. It was just kind of that he assumed they would have kids if they're going to get married. Um, And she doesn't want to let him down and say that she doesn't want that because it's clear that she doesn't want children yeah um she's had she's had more than one abortion uh at least one of them he knows about like it was like right when they first started dating but i think that it's just a lot of denial of i got into a marriage where we want different things but I still love him and I don't want to acknowledge that. So it's easier for him to think that we have fertility issues than it is for me to have that conversation of I don't want to have a child. Yeah. And I also think just from the fact that she had talked about the fear of change, that despite the problems that are apparent in their relationship, she does enjoy the physical attraction and obviously getting pregnant would affect that in, even in the short term of her being pregnant mm-hmm. would affect something that may be the arguably best part of their marriage just from what we've seen about their ability to communicate in certain instances where like he's having these conversations with her mom about like her flaws you know, just different yeah. things like that, that like their communication skills might not be the best. Like in the case where um, she let the scam artist come into the apartment, they had that conversation. Mm-hmm. She's just sitting there like, OK, like you're talking yeah. about me right now. Her mom and her husband just like ganged up Me-show. on her and they both. Yeah, they both just like like shit on her and about yeah. her. Like, like mm-hmm. told her she was an idiot for like letting this person in. And Leah was she she stood up for herself in her head. Like to, so we read about it, but yeah. like she didn't. She was like, "Oh, like I." She thought it was a little. She thought it was legitimate, or maybe she just wanted to help, or whatever. She had reasons, but they just like ganged up on her, and yeah. So I think that like that's part of it is that you know where the communication issues may be, the pregnancy may be something that would sabotage the thing that she values the most, or maybe clinging on to within their relationship. Um, and so that would be a factor. And then also just because from what, you know, we've seen a little bit now, just the juxtaposition, because Jamie told me on the back that shows what other characters mm-hmm. that we follow. Excuse me. Um, we are also going to see um, from the perspective of Natalie, her friend. Um, and it also like talked about the kind of differences of their um social classes at this point and so like that may also be a difficulty just because like she's already been set up as some juxtaposition of like their wealthier lifestyle Mm -hmm. and that may be difficult for their family to have children as well i don't know how much that's explored they have a child right natalie yeah yeah yeah, i'ah i'm saying leah oh Oh, yeah that like that may be kind of an issue too they don't have as much money so it's harder yeah yeah and so that could be a factor too i don't know if it was explained as much but also like she did have thoughts of you know comparing herself to somebody who she grew up with and now has such a wide gap between the two of them like that kind of highlights of you know, seeing her take care of children in her circumstances and kind of the circumstances that they're in too. So, yeah, it was interesting to see her 
Uh, I don't remember if she knew she was pregnant when they went over to their house. Like, they went over to Natalie and... She did, I think. But, yeah, yeah. so she she's very, dis, like, kind of disdainful in her own mind about, like, the kids and, like, just the way even that she describes um, the, the, the parents, like, responding to every, like, to the kids, like, every beck and call. And, like, she just is a little disdainful, but also it feels a little wistful, too. Like, she hates it, but also doesn't want she hates like the way that they're acting around their kids and like she seems to not love the kids but also like is pregnant and like also wishing that she wasn't i don't know it was like a very interesting juxtaposition um yeah and i'll be curious to see i i would think that we may get more of an outs- outside perspective from natalie that's what I think is happening, but also I'm confused because Felix isn't listed on the back. Is he not? No. It says Leah, Natalie, Fox, and Nathan. Oh, that's is a... Fox Felix? Wait, that's a that's a misprint. Mine says Felix. Oh. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> that's very weird. Well, that's, that's, so that's just what I had wrong. assumed, but regardless, because Natalie has that connection, they obviously spend a lot of time together. Yeah. I, I would assume it gets brought up from Natalie's perspective when she sees Leah later on. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see, like, what she thinks about them not getting pregnant, if she's aware. Because I, I don't recall that they ever had those conversations. Every time Leah's taken a contraceptive, it's been secretive. Secretly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's also hiding her birth control, which... Yeah, and also is like stealing. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. She was also potentially stealing from Natalie. Yeah, she so, said that she oh, took that's it out of right. Natalie. So, so that may be another factor that it gets brought up. That like I would assume Natalie would realize it's that getting it's missing, taken, and yeah. like yeah, you. It would you be should. easy to to like Unless piece it together. Like old. And they're trying. They were trying now. Well, she can only keep time. up that ruse for so long. Then you know yeah. what I mean. No, so, yeah. so like I don't know. It'll just be interesting to see, like, from her perspective on it too, just because they have that. But I, I found that like that was kind of maybe part of the factor. But I think it is like in Leah's mind, there's a lot there. But uh, as to why she doesn't want to have the kids, but I feel like those are a few of the main ones. Why do you think she's so affected by this? Like this woman, what's her name? Shar. Yeah, Shar. She, I mean, like the 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 scamming actually like happens very quickly, um, and it even took me a little while to like realize what was actually going on. Yeah, um, because it just like it happens and it happens early in the book. Um, it's like one of the first things we see, uh, one of the first like events that hap- like that happens in the book and. Um, so I don't know. I thought it was interesting that she she kind of she starts obsessing a little bit, or she just like thinks about it a lot. Like, why do you guys think that she was so, I don't know, interested in Shar, or like, uh, she seemed to like kind of her. She kind of seemed to be upended by it, by the whole situation. I feel like it has a lot to do with how everybody else in her life reacted. Yeah, I feel like. I mean, they obviously, like, need money, and she did give the woman, like, a lot of money. Um, But I have a feeling that if she lived alone and if she didn't tell anybody about it, she probably would have just been like, oh, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that 
in her mind um giving in to the fact that she was scammed and like giving up on it points out a lot of the flaws that like her husband and her mother point out all the time anyway um and she's just like insecure about it um but i don't know (laughs) i don't know i think some of it just relating it to like personal experiences that we've had is that like we've had our car broken into here and that kind of affects your mindset a little bit because it's happening so close to your own home and happening within your community because like when that happened to us it was something that like we felt on edge Mm -hmm. for a little bit feels very violating and so i think that like you know we hear about the fact that she in describing her childhood like brings up how close she lived in childhood like she looks up at the window and it's like i came from here to here like this is her neighborhood she's been there forever Mm -hmm. i don't know if something like this has ever happened before I would assume by her susceptibility to it that maybe it hasn't. And I feel like if this is the place that she's always grown up in and this was like the first instance of her getting essentially robbed, Mm -hmm. regardless of how you describe it, within her own community, because it's happening in her own home, it's happening in her own building close to where she grew up. Like I feel like that would be a pretty jarring experience to just all of a sudden be like, oh, it's like... You know, if she felt some solitude in her home area, that kind of puts a pin in that a little bit. Yeah, and on top of that, too, Shar is, like, someone that she kind of knows. Like, they oh, yeah. went to high they school. They went to high school together. together. Yeah. Um, and so, so that could feel very betraying for, like, the neighborhood, trying to protect people who you see as, like, not, like, family is too close of a word, but, like, She's she's very community oriented. She likes her neighborhood and mm-hmm. feels connected to it. Yeah, and and even from that perspective of like, we already see how much it affects her to see like where Natalie has come from their point in time. That's in like an upward socioeconomic trajectory, and in Shar's case, is in a downward socioeconomic trajectory like that can also be pretty jarring to see like the full range of what has happened from like their graduating class presumably to like get robbed by somebody who's like that's interesting too is that like we met those people pretty close together so yeah here's Mm -hmm. two people she went to high school with she maybe feels like you know not as good as natalie but then like the char things the thing happens and she realizes they went to high school together she feels like she's more in like in the middle of the two of them like yeah. so and it's uncomfortable and also like she's probably closer to Shar's situation than she then, is to yeah. natalie's which i'm sure natalie like, seems very wealthy yeah yeah, yeah she lives in a freaking uh, didn't they describe it as a mansion maybe or something like, I don't know, like something similar yeah. to that i think it was kind of a townhome but like a really big mm-hmm. one and i would assume in the city in close quarters like a townhome is is, is a mansion expensive. is yeah. mansion-esque like it's not an apartment that. it's it has more than one floor yeah, yeah. Like, for sure so i think that that like like i said just from experiencing that too just having your community betray you 
<laughs> yeah. yeah kind of, like, she even doesn't she does she seek her out again or does she run into her? She runs into her a couple times. She almost she, didn't want to say it, I think, right? When she first saw her, like Michelle wanted to know. And she yeah. kind of was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to say oh, something. Yeah. I think so, right? Yeah. So I don't even think that she wanted to confront it at first because then it becomes like when she continues to see her later on, I think one of the, the interactions she's like, I started feeling what Michelle felt. Mm-hmm. Like she starts embodying she his reaction anger, to yeah. it. So she I don't know that she knows, wanted to even confront she it. She still feels bad for Char because she, like, she runs into her, I don't remember if it's once or twice, like, just in the streets and kind of says something to her, but then also she puts pamphlet pamphlets in her door. Oh, that's right. Like, for rehab and, and stuff. And then doesn't she see her again and Char's like, I don't need, yeah, like, you, I don't need your don't help. do that, like, don't invade my space like that, like, I don't need your help, like, you don't know. And I think also, like, that that made me think that, I mean, Leah was, like, very much trying to almost, like, prove her mom and Michelle wrong. Like, like maybe I got scammed, but it was worth it because I, I gave her somebody. more money and I helped her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she was trying to save face, like, in her own family. Uh, and that felt, like, that made me feel just, like, terrible for her because she... Like, was trying really hard to make this thing worth it, but, like, it was mostly because, like, her, like, you know, her mom and her husband were not on her side and, like, were... They just weren't... They weren't supportive. They were harsh. They were mean. Like, in this thing that, like, made her feel very vulnerable. Yeah. And, and she was, like, trying they, to like, do a good thing. They, like, scolded her. Like, she yeah. she had good intentions for the most part. I think also some of her intention was just, like, I want this woman out of my apartment. <laughs> like, well, yeah. <laughs> I, but, like, she tried to do the right thing. So, that's upsetting. Yeah. What, if anything, like, what do you make of her relationship with her mom? <laughs> it kind of was all explained when, like, in, in the very beginning when, like, Pauline, her name's Pauline, and mm-hmm. Michelle are, like, just ganging up on her and scolding her. But the way, oh, I also wanted to talk about this, the way that Zadie Smith writes Leah's chapter versus Felix's, like, the actual design and, like, structure and like the way the sentences are laid out on the page yeah. is is very I, th- I think it's very effective for Leah like there are times when she puts more space like extra spaces between words um, a lot of times she writes it um, so that like the narration is happening in like just regular single space and then uh, and then if she wants to like interject with you know there's like Leah's thoughts in the single space and then like in tiny half spaced paragraphs in between is like her mom's running commentary yeah but she also like there's some like poetry at the beginning and it just is like i really enjoyed it's it takes a little getting used to but i did really enjoy like leah's um leah's chapter especially because the i think it just like it was a very uh illustrative chapter um yeah you can hear the space between the words you can you it almost reads like a play at some points like i just thought it was really effective and i I really enjoyed it and um so during uh the chat like the the part um where um she's with her mom i think they're going shopping or something and um and leah's uh 
just like narration in her head is just normal is written normally and then her mom's just like running commentary about the weather and just like very mundane things that are happening just are interjected uh in the middle of all of leah's thoughts so she's only really half paying attention to um and her mom just she just strikes me as like kind of a character who doesn't like she she surface level cares about her daughter but i don't or maybe she has good intentions but she just is like well you and michelle have like you know you're gonna have your issues but just try harder and work them out and she just seemed pretty insincere and it was frustrating for me yeah Um, about trying to like steer leah into the thing she wanted yeah which was kids yeah or she wanted grandkids i guess in her Mm -hmm. case um yeah i'd say that like that that's definitely a factor and it is kind of interesting with that um structure too and in talking about that i think that as you were mentioning i hadn't thought of it that way but like indicative of leah's um engagement with her Mm -hmm. conversations with people around her she is kind of stuck in her own head and i think that it does do a good job of highlighting that and uh, i i had read the comparison which this happens all the time just because there's a few writers that everyone's like oh it's very blank ian um but in the structure it was very joycean in the the way it's written the dash lines of the speech and then everything else that's going on kind of flowing in and out of different ideas um you know the stream of consciousness mm-hmm. when it's not exactly in the conversations that are going on but oh, also yeah, just, but also yeah. the structure of the conversations themselves with instead of quotation marks it's the dash lines like that's uh, a technique that I'm trying to find the originator of who did that I know the earliest I found is James Joyce doing yeah, those dashes within within speech um, but I, I think that it is interesting because in Felix's chapter I, I don't think there was any structure no, it was very normal and all of the conversations didn't really get that deep into felix's thought process like that like you yeah. still got the internal thoughts but not it in such a way more where conversational it was conversational and mm-hmm. just like he had there were like four things that happened in that mm-hmm. chapter and it just went from driving event, him event forward to event yeah because his thing was kind of felix's a, section that stood out to me was that a lot of paragraphs were not indented but then some were mm-hmm. and i don't understand why yeah i didn't either like it would definitely be that. on a different line but not indented and then sometimes it would be on a different line and indented and i was just, i never understood the purpose of that but also, genuinely, until you said anything about it, I, I took, like, kind of a big break. in Not a big break, but a break in between reading the sections, like, a week long mm-hmm. after I finished Leah's section and picked up Felix's. And so I had forgotten. Like, my brain did not recognize that the style was different. Oh, yeah. But also, I knew that I enjoyed Felix's section less. And I now realize that I think it's because of the style. Like, I liked his story. Mm-hmm. I thought the story was good and interesting and the characters were interesting. But I enjoyed reading it less. And I think it's because I liked the style a lot of the first section. And it felt e- quick and easy to read because the chapters were quick and, like, the the structure flowed really mm-hmm. easily for me. Um, and I was super interested in, speaking of structure also, the few chapters that were um named 37 she had like this weird obsession with the number 37 that Mm -hmm. i thought was really interesting um but i hadn't noticed that (laughs) i I hadn't acknowledged it at least yeah i I did definitely miss the style 
and what you were saying of Leah's chapters more. I I generally like playing with the structural, or when authors play with the structural style of traditional novels, and yeah, it, it, it was of, such a stark difference between the two. It reminded yeah. me of um, Lincoln and the Bardo. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like in terms of different, like a different kind of structure. And actually, I was reading an article on, <laughs> I was looking up earlier, uh, book move, bookmovement.com. Uh, it looks a little bit like Goodreads. And like we were chatting before we started recording about just like general, like distaste for this book. Like somebody on Goodreads, like legitimately reviewed it and said she was disgusted by this book and we were just pondering why somebody could feel disgusted maybe that'll come in the in the last two chapters but um one person uh, mentioned that they were unable to determine the plot or the purpose of book after reading 12 chapters uh so they gave up and we and i i mean i just i think that that kind of thing is like when you don't recognize the structure uh when it's like unfamiliar and confusing um, or maybe a little confusing to you. Um, I can imagine that it would be hard to get through. Um, but also, I mean, sometimes you have to like, I, I had to read the first few chapters a few times, like just to, they were short, um, and just to like soak it all in. Like, I don't know. And also, um, she, um, Zadie Smith has a, um, I think it's in the New Yorker. Um, she recorded a video, um, where she just reads the first chapter out loud. And it's actually like, really interesting to hear her uh because it's her it's her direct idea of like what the flow is supposed Mm -hmm. to be like and listening to the way she um she phrases everything is really helpful like if I had watched that before I started reading I feel like it would just have been it's very informative like it just informs the way that she um that she wrote uh that section in particular um that chapter in particular that um part in particular and so anyway um if you're interested it's uh there she she recorded a um just like the first the first chapter and um it was really effective it, it sounded a lot like she was reading poetry and i really enjoyed that too the first the first section felt very poetic to me mm-hmm. um uh okay let's move on to felix what I kind of left Felix's chapter wondering, like, he spends a lot of time at his dad's place at the mm-hmm. beginning, and I wondered why that was significant. Why why was it necessary? He spent, I mean, like, there were a lot of pages about his time at his dad's, almost, like, as many as there were of him at his, like, not girlfriend's place. Yeah. And I just was curious, like, why why that was like emphasized so much i mean i feel like i felix i as a whole character as a chapter as a section i assume we won't see anything else from him because he's dead yeah um and i think that a lot of his section is kind of grounding some of the ideas that have already been put in place about the neighborhood and the community and like the generational effects or like influence Mm -hmm. throughout the community so i think that being at his dad's house and talking about that that book the photographic uh book about the neighborhood yeah um is more grounding the the setting than anything else yeah i felt that way too 
Um, and like the I like I think generational relationships seem very important in it, either in this book or in that neighborhood specifically. Like it seems like a very specific subset of society that like stays there mm-hmm. always, and their parents lived there, and they have like a a pride kind of even though they there are a lot of issues in the community mm-hmm. um so i think that focusing on his father and his life how he met felix's mother and the the i don't remember what they call it but like that halfway house kind of place mm-hmm. that he lived in with the priest that wasn't a priest but a social worker but <laughs> i don't know um I think that that's the purpose of that section because I think that a lot of Felix like it's we're gonna hear more about those things in later chapters but without Felix yeah it definitely felt like it was setting the stage a little bit like it felt like a a, a, an explanation of the setting yeah more than anything Um, especially because it as a like that chapter as a whole felt like it could have just been its own little book about Felix yeah like it could have just been a short story um, and I'm in, I'm really interested to see what she does, how she connects it. I also feel maybe I just read this somewhere. I I feel like Felix isn't totally gone. I feel like we find something else out maybe about. His, I feel like maybe he Grace re- will like, come back yeah. up yeah. or something. Yeah, um, th- just the fact that we didn't really see her. Yeah, and and there has already been crossover of characters. Supposedly, I mean, we know that Natalie's coming up, but like the fact that Grace is mm-hmm. still involved in the community, and also uh, with Lloyd—is that his father's name? Yeah. Like he'll still be involved too. Like that might be an important factor to like carry over his part of the story mm-hmm. to the rest of the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, just having him involved to at least bring it up, or like flashbacks with him because we already have characters established. Um, but. I think that also I asked Brian this after I finished and I don't I didn't look back because I don't remember when it was mentioned in Leah's section but I think that that mugging was already mentioned like Leah and Michelle were talking about a mugging that happened on a certain street like the like that day when oh. they were talking there it was like a news piece and it was very briefly mentioned but I some I specifically remember something being like, oh, well, he didn't even have a gun. Like, that was a stabbing or something. Like, very briefly mentioned. So I think that that will probably come back up because I think that this... Presumably it will be a big deal during this carnival. Yeah. Like, that's going to be a big news thing. I think thing. that they know about it already. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. And it will be interesting because, like, it is such a packaged point in time in comparison to... a. Leah's chapter we don't know like if it happened before or after whatever happened with hers because hers was a long timeline and Felix's chapter yeah. was literally like point A to point B well I think that that's day. why Carnival, Carnival is mentioned is because that's giving to us ground kind it, of like that it's still timeline. in the same but I'm saying as far as like what their events within that time period and yeah. where his fit into that because it yeah. could have been anywhere in the middle yeah. of what already happened with them because it was such an isolated like a, a series of events i suppose from the car sale to everything else that happened to him getting stabbed so it may be an, another factor that affects uh leah in a later chapter continuing on how her um 
her interaction with Char and the crime kind of yeah. threw her for a loop mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, this could just be adding on to um, her feeling of discomfort with the neighborhood. Because that's, you know, presuming that that's what we're getting is their characters and their interactions with where they live. It's the title of the book, Northwest. I think that that'll be interesting to see how that plays out for the rest of the characters moving forward as well. Oh, I found it. Oh, yes. It literally names Felix. Page? Uh, Page 104. Uh, I just happened to flip to it. Because Michelle, it says, Albert Road shouts Michelle from the kitchen. Leah shouts back, yeah, but it's got nothing to do with Carnival. It was last night. It's just Michelle walks through the door. It's just typical sensational reporting. They want to be there. Leah, can I hear it, please? The television says, the young man, named locally as Felix Cooper, was 32 years old. He grew up in the notorious Garvey House project in Holloway, but had moved with his family to this relatively quiet corner of Kilburn. Um... I missed. I mean, I like just. I wasn't even thinking about it. I feel like I was in a totally different headspace <laughs> reading yeah. this. Yeah. And I then I didn't. I didn't mention. I didn't remember it. I feel like I remember them talking about a crime, but I didn't remember that it was Felix. I didn't remember afterward. that his name was mentioned. I just remembered they that they noted a specific mugging, mm-hmm. and so when his came up, I was like, "Oh, that's probably the same thing they were talking about." Yeah. But it does mention his name. And then Michelle, cool. <laughs> a little frustratingly, like, again, tries to make a case for, like, moving out. Like, it's just like, oh, the mugging with, or the scamming with Shar, and then he just, like, hears about a random mugging, and it's just like, we have yeah, to we move. Yeah, we gotta go. It's yeah. time. And it's like, you're, like, don't, he was being <laughs> such a dick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. M- Michelle was bothering me. Um, Michelle. Have either of you read Breakfast at Tiffany's? Yes. yes. Both of you? Yes. Great. I was the last one to read it. <laughs> the, the scene where Felix goes up and talks to Grace, uh, not Grace, talks to, what's her name? What is her name? Annie. Annie sounds right to me. <laughs> uh, that scene where he's in her apartment and she's just like floating around. It is Annie. Floating around and just like doing whatever and like drinking during the day reminded me so hard of the narrator's experience with Holly in Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah, I like, can see that. It really, I mean, like, they're in an, I don't know, it just, like, they're in an apartment, and, like, he's just, like, following her around. He follows her up to the roof. He's making her a drink. He's kind of just, like, he, he, he feels a little more sure of himself, like, in the first part of the chapter, and then he kind of just turns into, like, a puppy who's just, like, doing her bidding, like during this chapter and it's just I mean she's just kind of like I could just imagine her like with a feather boa and a cigarette just being like get me a drink darling like I don't know your problems me, aren't mine yeah I don't I... know and then I she was just kind of a smart ass and it just reminded me of it reminded me of that of the entirety of Breakfast at Tiffany's I agree with that except that I feel like it was much grosser like Breakfast at, yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's, I still, and like, it's been a very long time since I've read it, but I still see it as kind of like, she's very glamorous, or like, yeah, oh, tries for to sure. be glamorous. This is like a trashy version. Yeah, like, Annie is gross. And she like, and lives like, above like a brothel. Yeah, and, and like, the way he described like, her caked on makeup in like, yeah. the very first moment when he arrives, I what's was just a, like, Ugh. What's a less glamorous it's like a jewelry knockoff. store? 
Claire's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, breakfast at Claire's was this section. <laughs> it's a nice breakfast at Claire's. Sponsored by. Yeah. That was the alt, alt title for Felix's section was breakfast at Claire's. I, I very much agree with that. It was it was it was breakfast at Tiffany, Tiffany's without any of the glamour and class. Yeah. Just lots of like coke on the floor. And yeah, like a like a trash. She's clean though, dude. Party, no. Except for yeah, coke. Except for, yeah. She's like, I'm sober, and yeah. he's like, except for all the drinking and coke. She's like, well, I'm not a nun. Well, there's <laughs> something I, like that. I'm not a nun. <laughs> I liked, I liked that part. I, I, I don't know. I um, wasn't. I don't know. I didn't love her, but I did like. I did enjoy that part. It feels, it it felt to me like that, um, like that was the most important part of the chapter. Like even though like yeah. his time with Lloyd lasted kind of a long time, I was just like, oh, like this is what he was going to do, and then yeah, oh. it was a bummer. Even though, excuse me, even though he um, went back on what he came there to do. It oh, did yeah, seem no, like they do have sex. Yeah, uh, yeah I was but it, very disappointed. But, but I it, was too. But it does seem like he was ready to turn the leaf, regardless of not doing it. He was then. like, okay, like, this is the last but, time. But like it did feel really? like he was committed even though he slept. Like it, it was it felt like it was in good intention, so that was what made it even worse when he Did anybody else feel like he was about to murder her before he left? Because that's where I thought it was going. Uh, I don't what, think What gave you that impression? He know he says something. Oh, does he uh, say are you gonna prove to us again that yeah, he Oh, I just flipped Actually, to it. Actually, it says that I'm he going to kill her. No, he literally says something oh, about, God. like, I want her dead. Oh, no. He's like, it's not that I just don't want to see her ever again. It's I want her to not be alive. Mm. And I thought he was going to turn around and murder her, and then he was going to go to jail. <laughs> like, that's what... I need to find where he says that. It's right before he leaves. It was interesting to me that he, he spent a lot of energy, like like, kind of shitting on her. And she was like, dude, I'm happy with my life. Found it. Like, she was like, I don't know. He he was kind of being, uh, he was kind of being a dick in that way. He was, like, insulting her and, like, mad at her and, like, taking out his anger on her. And she was like, you're sleeping with me. Like, you don't have to. Like, yeah. You, I'm not saying he's perfect. I just think he was no, on the I, road, oh, that too. Totally yeah. was not no, no, I, no, I'm, but yeah, just as a clarification. Not that he me. came in as an angel, like, I'm being seduced. I mean, yeah, he was like, <laughs> he, but he was. He was like, I mean, he was mad at himself, yeah. obviously, for, like, continuing to see her mm. or whatever. Given enough knew, time, I'm assuming he would have oh, I, I agree with that. done the right thing. But he just was so <laughs> judgmental. And not killed her, maybe. Okay, listen to this language, though. On page 187, his narration says, In the hall between the bedroom and lounge, Felix turned round and grabbed both her wrists. He was shaking. He hadn't realized till now what he wanted. Not just that she lose, but that she not exist. Yeah. Like, I, he was shaking and grabbing her wrist forcefully, and I was like, he's about to murder this woman right after they had passionate sex on the roof. Like, yeah, I mean, I could, I actually, like... Not great timing. He was so disgusted with himself that yeah. I would have not been surprised. I think he, like, that's what my thought was, is yeah. he is so upset right now, and he thought he had turned a new leaf, and then suddenly he was, like, Ruins eating her himself. out. Yeah. And, and, and he yeah. wants to, like, lose every proof, like of that Mm -hmm. but he didn't i'm glad he didn't murder her but i really for like two pages i was like he's about to kill this woman yeah (laughs) like i yeah uh 
Yeah, I don't know. That was really interesting to me. But then he dies, so sorry, Felix. Bye, Felix. What do you <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Felix. That was that wasn't intentional. <laughs> just, just brushes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um, do you have a predictions for the next two sections? Uh, I think everybody's going to be sad. The world is sad. <laughs> Natalie's probably sad in her marriage. Nathan is the other character who is the guy that we met in the subway, yep, and I'm positive Nathan. he's sad. He's for sure sad. He's, um, what, he was like living on the streets, right? Yeah, like selling bootlegs. But he seemed nice. He was like, <laughs> hi, Mrs. H. To right, be fair, H? we, met, yeah, him. we so. met him very briefly, but he seemed like one of the happier characters in the book. Despite having a worse situation. Valid. Yes, despite, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's my Maybe thought. Maybe that's the commentary. Is that everyone? The higher you go, the sad. worse it gets. <laughs> or you die. Do you um, have a <laughs> Do you have a prediction? Um, as I had just had mentioned earlier, I think we'll get a little bit more into Leah's um, story and not have it with any bias from her own perspective. Yeah, I think that will be exciting. I mean, it's almost assured that we're gonna get that, but. I'm just curious to see if it's going to paint her in a better light, in a worse light. Obviously, there's some strain, perceived strain from Leah's perspective uh, between her and Natalie. But I'm curious to see what Natalie thinks about their relationship. Maybe her distance has nothing to do with Leah. And maybe it does have to do with her marriage or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Isn't I like there was a description at some point in Leah's section where like they were all at a party and mm-hmm. Natalie's husband walks in and they look at each other like they hate nothing. each other. Yeah. yeah, like it's just like Yeah. So that's what I'm kind of I'm excited to hear about that and with Nathan just, you know, what we had just said maybe he is like the happiest character out of anybody, but I think it will also be interesting because for you know, where Felix was socioeconomically like potentially Nathan will be the lowest uh, rung on the ladder mm-hmm. and I think that that will be an interesting perspective for this section of London and like this is all really fascinating to me because I don't really have that much of a finger on the pulse of like much of London except for like the vast you know like media I'm the or the only one who's been there like media or sports you know like i know all of that but as far as like the actual you know all of the media all of the, the media all london. of the sports <laughs> london just i'm nailing yeah. that uh but as far as like the actual inner workings of the city it'll be interesting to just get that perspective and uh that's why i've liked the book so far just to you know experience that from a from less of a filtered perspective. Yeah, I feel like it's a really um a really descriptive profile of like a place that like we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to know these things even if we like went and visited. Mm-hmm. Like it's really interesting uh to read it in like a fictional setting but also, you know, like these this place is real and like And she grew up in Northwest London yeah. from what I read, so like it presumably has some truth to mm-hmm. it um so i've been really enjoying it and i'm just kind of predicting you know what we kind of talked about and i'm excited to see what those perspectives bring yeah i think that there might be more like 
integration of the characters and their stories than there has been. Yeah. I think that the last two sections will integrate the the first two um, much more than the first two did with each other. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it so far. I am f- I fail to see why anyone would be disgusted with this book. Yeah, what's what's this? Disgu- I mean, I guess I mean, like maybe the tampon teeth thing. Do you want to explain that? <laughs> Tampon teeth is very descriptive. I, I feel like teeth. if you read it, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just throwing in tampon teeth at the end of the episode. Yeah, I felt like it, we hadn't talked about it yet, so and now it's been talked about. Yeah, check. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Bye. Oh, <laughs> That's all. Yeah, that'll that'll be uh, next episode. Will be the second half of. Um, Northwest. I think I did see, I didn't read anything about it, but in looking up stuff on the book, I think there are actually three more sections. Hmm. So I don't know what that actually ends up being. So like I said, no spoilers, but apparently uh, there are five. So I don't know what that will entail because as far as I know from the back, there's four characters. Maybe there's some unifying um, thing at the end, but we'll get the last three sections and that'll be the last book of season one dude season one dude holy cow dude and then we'll uh also bring up the giveaway rules maybe you'll get northwest stay tuned raise your hand if you're trying to get northwest out there people let us know (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah thanks a lot for joining us great choice danny so far We'll see if we feel so the same far, way. That was so we'll see if we feel the same way next week. But yeah, we will uh, catch you next time. Are we still scatting? Jamie, it's your turn. A scooby doo, a scooby doo. This is a very classic Jamie scat. Boo! Boo! We'll catch you next time. Bye.